must not accept and repeat the names that your past calls you. Can I have a better amen? You and I must, uh, we must immediately submit ourselves to the names that God calls us. Because that's, that's truly who you are. Let me explain it to you for a minute. I want to take a young man. Uh, it's, a, it's a Bible story, but I don't really want to just like go there and go through all the verses. You're well Bible taught here, so I don't have to be the big Bible teacher tonight, though I could be. But in the book of Samuel, actually 2 Samuel 9, if you want to study it later. Uh, and, and I'm sure you know this story. You might not if you're a little baby Christian. But I want to talk to you for a minute about a young man, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the grandson of King Saul. He was the son of Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul. Thus, King Saul's grandson. Saul once walked with God. There's nobody more miserable than someone who once walked with God that doesn't now. The misery runs deep. Saul got in trouble with God. Say he did. Say he did. Saul got in trouble with God. He disobeyed God. But Saul thought he was okay. He thought the prophet Samuel was being mean. So, Samuel said, you disobey God. Saul said, no, I didn't. Samuel, the preacher, said, yes, you did. And Saul, the king, said, well, I'm the king. You're just the prophet. And I'm telling you that I obeyed God. And Samuel said, no, you did not obey God. And here's proof. And he's pointed out the proof to Saul. And, and Saul got so mad that he went after the preacher and reached out and grabbed a hold of Samuel. Samuel was walking away. And it tore the outer garment of the prophet. And Samuel turned and God said to Saul, Just like you have ripped and torn the preacher's garment, so will this kingdom be taken from you. Now there's a lesson to learn in that all by itself. Get mad at everybody, but leave the preacher alone. It'd be nice if you weren't mad at anybody, but leave the, say it, leave the preacher alone. Tell someone on your left, leave the preacher alone. Be at least that smart. Okay. Saul eventually understands that young David, his son's Jonathan's best friend, Saul, the king, his boy, Jonathan, the prince, was best friends with David, who was not the king. And not the prince, but he was treated like a son of Saul. Saul begins to discover he's done. He, he less and less feels the presence of God. He's more and more in trouble with God. Demons begin to talk to him. David comes along and worships and sings songs and soothes the, the anointing on that, soothes the wicked heart of Saul. You know the story, right? But after a while, Saul gets so disturbed. Most people do who are mad at God. I learned a long time ago, anybody who lashes out at me is mad at God, not me. They're not mad at me. I didn't do anything to make them mad. Cain, new story. Cain killed Abel. But Cain wasn't mad at Abel. The Bible says he is mad at God. But you can't kill God. So you strike your brother. Remember that next time you want to choke somebody. 
or whack him one on the forehead. Amen. Are you listening to me? Back to King Saul. He went after David because he got jealous, right? And they sang songs about Saul. He's a battle king. Saul has slain his thousands. They're championing him. Uh, he's the battle warrior king. And it, but they would sing the rest of the song. But David, his tens of thousands. And the people began to admire David more than Saul. And Saul already knew that Samuel told him, your history here. He finally throws a javelin in a temper tantrum at, at David. Eventually, he chases David. This is the government, honey. This is bigger than an IRS audit. This is the king saying, I want him dead. Take the military, track down David, and kill him. Okay? And so, the long and short of it is, Saul plays prophet in the day of battle. They said, the soldiers, the generals said, we're not going to battle until the preacher blesses us. And King Saul played preacher. And he said, we don't need Samuel. I'll bless the troops. I've seen people, you've seen people do this. Where I don't need no pastor. I'll be the pastor of my family. I don't need any church. We'll just have church at home. Same dumb demon. Same dumb people. Same dumb stuff. And it always ends up the same. Somebody gets hurt. Really bad. Saul that day got so wounded in battle that he knew he was going to be captured. He turns to his armor bearer, the, the one bearing his armor, and said, Kill me. Don't let me get... I'm not going to make it. But if they catch me alive before I die, they're going to just mock me and, and torture me, you know, the enemy. The armor bearer said, I can't kill you. You're God's anointed. And wouldn't do it. Turned to another one. He wouldn't do it. Turned to another one. And, and he said, I'll do you in. And he killed him. You know that story? That armor bearer was an Amalekite. The others were Jews. How did Saul get in trouble with God? God said, you go kill all the Amalekites. All of them. Spare none. But he did spare Amalekites. And that was an Amalekite that took his life. And I'm here to tell you tonight that whatever your Amalekite is, whatever God told you to kill and get rid of, and you still got it, you know what I'm talking about, not humans. Don't kill any humans. This is the New Testament. Please don't kill any humans. But you know, whatever it is you have, whatever habit, whatever fear, whatever insecurity, whatever doctrine, whatever heresy, whatever little practice that God told you to get rid of and you kept it, that Amalekite sooner or later, darling, could be the very thing that runs the sword through you. Lesson to be learned here. Saul died that day. You know who died with him? Jonathan, the prince, the one who should get the, the crown. You know who else died that day? His other sons. And, and in the process, we're going to skip a lot of Bible pages now for time. In the process, David became king. Once David is king, Saul is dead, his family's gone, his best friend, blood covenant brother Jonathan is dead. 
David is the king. This is the kid Saul chased like a dirty dog. Kill him, he tells the military. But now he's the king. And the king says to the military commanders and his council, King David says, Is there anybody still alive from the house of Saul? Is there anybody alive? Well, you know, no, they all died in battle. And one guy speaks up and says, well, we don't know. But the servant, Ziba is his name in Hebrew. The servant of Saul that ran his whole house is alive. If there's anybody of Saul's family alive, Ziba will know about it. Go fetch him. They fetch him. Anybody alive? Yeah, there's one. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, Saul's grandson, is alive, but he lives down in Lodibar, and he's lame in his feet. Now, let's get something straight really quick. Lodibar wasn't just a little town. Lodibar was the scum of all slums. The word Lodabar, in one, you know, there's deeper definitions. One of them is sewage. Here's how it worked. Ever go, to, go with me sometime to the Holy Land? And I'll show you this physically. In that day, there's no indoor plumbing. So they would take the waste out of the yard, the back house, or something, and they would bring it to the corner of the streets, and kind of like these little curb action. And they would just dump it out there. And then as it rained, it would wash it downhill. So the higher uphill you lived, of course, was all the rich people. But the lower you went, the more the sewage gathered in your yard. And if it was a dry season, you're in trouble. And then they would even take water in the droughts the best they could and wash that sewage down the street. Lodabar is the lowest place in that region. All the sewage of the humans and the animals ended up in Lodabar. It's the scum of all slums. And the grandson of Saul lives there, and he's lame in his feet. Now, if you're lame today, you know, even in the natural, um, the world today has found a way for you to, to, to have help. There's machinery. There's a way to drive your car. You know, there's walking instruments. There's wheelchairs. There's special parking. There's special bathrooms. You know, people have tried to do really good. But in that day, there's none of that. If you were lame, people thought you were, like, cursed. And so here's Mephibosheth, and he lives in Lodabar, and he can't get a job. He's lame on his feet. And David says, go fetch him. Now, I don't know how much you know about stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. When the army come to get Mephibosheth, he's not thinking he's going to be blessed. He's thinking, David is king. He knows I'm a relative of Saul, and all of Saul's family's dead but me, and I've been hiding down here in the sewage. Never thought he'd find me. Who told him I was alive? I'll guarantee you, this kid thought... I'm a dead man. The king has called me to kill me. The last person alive in King Saul's family. But according to the Bible, you can study it later. I gave you the, the book. David didn't want to kill him. He tells Mephibosheth, 
I'm going to restore. Everybody say restore. restore. Say restore. restore. The king says, I'm going to restore to you, Mephibosheth, all the things that belong to your grandpa. Not for your sake, boy. Not for your sake. But because of the covenant I had with your daddy, Jonathan. Now, wait a minute. This is the king's grandson. Don't you think King Saul owned some property? Probably had some gold, some diamonds. I don't know what all he had. Horses, chariots, barns. Don't you think so? And David said, you're, uh, you're going to have it all, son. And furthermore, you're going to sit at my table. I'm not going to kill you and I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to restore everything that belonged to, to Saul and his house is coming to you now because of my relationship, King David, to your daddy, Jonathan. Now, when I read that story, I've read that story most of my Christian life over and over again. That story means so much to me because I am a Mephibosheth myself. I come from a little poor village. We were dumb and dirt, dumb dirt poor, I call it. We were dirt poor and too dumb to get out of it. We were bound, horribly bound by poverty. I'm a high school, well, if I say dropout, I'd be lying. I'm a high school kickout. They kicked me out in 10th grade. Now, don't look at me like that. I got my education since then. I, I'm a, I was a total horrible failure. No hope. Nowhere to go. I felt bound to my little deal. Um, I, the girl I dated, Vicky, I married, but I don't know why she married me. I actually never thought she'd marry me because I had nothing to offer but me, and I wasn't very good in those days. Without Christ, nobody's very good. Some people look good and smell good and act good, but this isn't good. I'm a Mephibosheth. Maybe some of you are. And I'm blessed today not because I'm Mark. Not because I'm a Barclay. I'm blessed today because my Jesus has a covenant with my Heavenly Father. And if I'm in Christ and stay in Christ, all of the blessings of the Christ belongs to me. Not because of me, not because of who I am, what I am, not because of you, not because you're bad, not because you're good. Because my covenant, Jesus, has a covenant. With the Heavenly Father. And everything that belongs to the King is coming to Mark Barclay. Amen? Because of that relationship. That's you too, my friend. That's you too. Now, when they sent for Mephibosheth, and King David said, I've called you to bless you. You're going to sit at my table. You should study what that really means. That's a bigger statement than what it sounds. You're going to set up the, you're going to eat at the king's table. And he and this is what this is what Mark Barclay used to say about Mark Barclay. This is what Mephibosheth said to David. Why would you bless me, a dumb dog from Lodabar? Read it for yourself. That was the name that he, he, his, his environment, Lodibar, the sewage, lame in his feet, 
no career, no way to get one, no handicapped parking spot, no, no mechanical, you know, no, repl- no, totally cursed in life. And he convinced himself that he was nothing but a dumb dog. Like it's his fault he's lame. Or it's his fault that his grandfather was an idiot and played prophet and played priest and cursed the family line. But that's what he said. Why would you bless me, a dumb dog from Lodabar? Who am I? And I am fully convinced. I walked through this myself. For a long time, I said, Lord, why, how would you ever use me? Wait, 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 wait a minute. This is before... This is before 35 books. This is before jet airplanes. This is before television. This is before going to 70-some countries. This is before I have printing presses. We have churches, missionaries all over this world. This is way... Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Hang on a second. This is way before a nice shirt. This is way before... Are you listening to me? When I came out of my own personal loader bar and God said, I'm going to use you. I have a place for you. And my answer was, you can't use me. I'm a dumb sinner. What would you ever do with me? And even when, after I got saved and God would say, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Mark Barclay. Now, I was careful what I said to God. But Mark Barclay was, and I think you are too. But here's the problem. Mark Barclay was careful what he said to God. But he had no care about what he said within himself. And I constantly would say, but I'm from... A little, I'm from Harrison. That's my hometown. I think when I was a kid, population 500 and some people or something, mostly trappers. And someone said, yeah, is there any rednecks in Michigan? I said, we got woodsmen. We train rednecks. <laughs> you ever seen a true Michigan woodsman? You'll say amen to that. Amen. We teach them how to. Anyways. And so I said, Lord, there's no way I could do that. Did you forget where I come from? I'm a high school dropout. You want me to do what? I can't do that. I can't do that. I could never do that. Where would I ever get that money? How could I ever? No one's going to listen to me. What do you mean you want me to? And for a long time, in my earlier years of life and ministry, Mark Barclay called himself a dumb dog. Now, I didn't use those, Atlant- those exact terms, but you know what I'm talking about. I, now, you may not be one of them, my friend, but there are many people who look in that mirror every morning and they don't like what they see. And they don't like themselves and they are thoroughly convinced they're not good enough. Now, it's one thing to be humble. Right? You know what God said to Saul, you know, before he died? When you were little in your own sight, I promoted you. But you played priest. You played prophet. You kicked the preacher out of your life. You took the troops to battle and never let the man of God bless them. See? And that's where he got in trouble. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I one day reading this story, it dawned on me. I can do anything God tells me to do if I'll quit postponing myself. And you know why a lot of people aren't blessed? I hope I'm helping you tonight. 
You know why a lot of people are not blessed? Because they've exempted themselves from the blessing. Well, that would never happen to me. Well, I'm glad that happened to them, but nothing like that ever happens to me. Well, well, I've given and I haven't seen anything in return in my life. Well, Pastor, I pray all the time, but it don't hardly ever get answered. Shut your face. Please be quiet. But you, but you see what you're saying? It's not so much what you're saying to God. It's the names you call yourself. And Mark Barclay had to work really hard at talking to himself and removing names. Because you know when you're poor, maybe some of you were raised poor like me. When you're poor, people think you're stupid. People think you're dumb. Stare at me if you want to, but I was raised in this. And when you're poor like that, people think there's something wrong with you. I thought there was something wrong with us. Josh, my brain taught me, my environment taught me that because I'm a Barclay, I would never prosper, never get ahead, so why try? Why give it a big effort? I even had a school teacher. One of my school teachers said, Mark, listen, you you know, you're not really going to go be an attorney or a lawyer or a doctor or nothing like that. You just got to get by. So don't worry about, you know, good grades. Just just try to, you know, we want to try to help you graduate. And, And when you have your own teachers telling you don't try, your brain's already telling you what's the use. Your whole environment and your family saying you're nothing but losers anyhow. Then that all got in me. And I literally was convinced that no Barclay could ever have any money. We're just all broke. You're going to stay broke. And that's just the way it is. You better live with it. And then one day, Mephibosheth discovered something. My grandma... I love my grandma. Long story, different story, different sermon for a different day. My grandma died when I was in the combat zone in Vietnam. But I wrote my grandma a letter because none of my family was born again until I was. And I had just got born again at that time, 1972. I wrote my grandma a letter with salvation verses. Grandma, when I get home, I want to talk to you about Jesus. I don't want you to go to hell. And you're a good woman, and I love you. I know if you knew this, you would never choose hell. You would choose heaven. I put the salvations in, and I was going to talk to her. I've talked to all my family. In fact, I've evangelized almost all, maybe all of my family, except for some new ones born I haven't got to yet. My grandma died before I could get home. But she left me a note, and she said, Mark, actually, I didn't know that. I had the funeral. I couldn't make it come home, had a family reunion. Vicky and I went to it. They're dumb. Vicky and I went to it. Their family reunion. Maybe yours aren't dumb. Ours are dumb. Dumbest thing my family does. So anyways, we went to the family reunion. My cousin comes up and says, oh, Mark, we brought a little envelope here from, from Grandma. She left it when she died, and we're so sorry. This is like two years later. We forgot all about it. But we found it and brought it to you. So I went to the side, opened it up, read it. And it was pretty cool. She said some private things to me. How, you know, you know, grandmas, I'm proud of your son. I don't know if you'll ever make it home from Vietnam, but I prayed for you every day. And I thought, Grandma prayed for me? And she said, I just want you to know that I know that I'm dying and I'm not going to see you again. But I read those verses. And I prayed that prayer, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? 
Amen. A letter. Everybody say a letter. A letter. And then at the bottom she said, you know, some other thing. She said, oh, by the way, not all Barclays are poor. And you don't have to be either. Look up this man. He was a Barclay. And I discovered that the Barclays are some of the richest people on this planet. They're hosting the big golf tournaments, Barclay Exchanges, Barclay Enterprises. They own and they own and they operate and they own and they are mega, 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 mega rich people. Barclays. Imagine that. Growing up all your life, teaching yourself and your, and your Lodabar teaching you that no Barclay could ever prosper. And here, all the time, Mephibosheth Barclay was going through that. My relatives in Scotland and England are multi-billionaires. And when I, when I called that relative and I found out how rich they were, now, I don't, I'm not of them. They're a whole different breed than what I am. But when I found out about it, I'm going to listen to me. I know how Mephibosheth felt when he finally said, I'll sit at the king's table because I don't have to go back to that sewage ever again and teach myself that I can't ever prosper. If, God, if, if Barclays can prosper with or without God, some of them know God, most of them don't. Then, I, then this Barclay surely can with God. Are you listening to me at all? Everything my God has ever told me to do, it started with not one dollar to do it. But it always came to pass. It always came to pass. Let me close this up and pray for you. You and I must stop calling ourselves dumb, ugly, backwards, stupid, poor. We've got to quit saying to ourselves, we can't do it. Who are we? You know, you're going to postpone so much of your life and ministry and prosperity by constantly putting yourself down. If, if you do that, maybe some of you are. I'm delivered from that. Maybe some of you are. But I have a, you know how we say I have a feeling? Seriously, I have a feeling there's a lot of people that still call themselves a dumb dog. I couldn't do that, Pastor. I'd love to, but I can't do that. Who am I to do that? I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to do that. Do you know Oral Roberts' story? How many of you know Dr. Oral Roberts' story? Do you know where he was born and raised? Reservation, Oklahoma. It wasn't pretty. You ever study the level of education he had and how poor he was? And God tells an uneducated man, I want you to build me a university that will change the world. No wonder Oral Roberts lived in a prayer closet to a prayer kitchen, you know, where he converted his kitchen to a prayer tower, and he lived there. And I, I heard Dr. Roberts say once, I quit calling myself names. And I decided to call myself what God called me. Now, let's close this this way. Someone tell me something that God says about you. Who are you? Who are you? Tell me. Someone said more than a conqueror? Then why are you calling yourself a loser? 
Who's right, you or God? Who knows you better, you or God? God does. And what's God call you? A conqueror. More than a conqueror. So don't call yourself a loser. And next time your brain calls you that name, you say, shut up, brain. God's right, not you. And I am not a loser. I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. You got to do it. You got to do it. Stop calling yourself names unless God gave you that name. What's another name? What's another name that God calls you? I'll give you one. Son. I'm a son of God. I'm not the only begotten son. That's Jesus Christ. But I'm a son of God. Mark Barclay. From my own little Lodabar. A son of the living God. Say son. Son. We'll do it again if you're a woman. Say daughter. Ready? Son. All you men. Son. Close your eyes. Say, I'm a son of God. Now, next time your brain calls yourself names, you tell it to shut up. Because it will. You've allowed your brain to talk to you for so long, it will call yourself names. Next time, you know, you say, no, I'm a, if you're son and daughter, I'm a son of God. Shut up, brain. You don't know what you're talking about. My God calls me a son. I'm a son of God. How do you know? God said so. How about Victor. God always gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Any other names you can think of? Huh? Nobody? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? That's right. I'm no worm of the earth. I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. Say, redeemed. I'm the, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, when you were, you did this, you know, the devil's so stupid. You did this 37 and... Years ago in 10 days. Shut up, devil. I've been redeemed from my past. You lying thing. Quit. I'm not listening to that name anymore. Amen. How about delivered? That's the name. How about free? Freedom. And the list goes on, don't it? Now, the devil wants to call you names. The devil wants to rename you drunk. Druggy. Liar. Cheater, sexual pervert, gossiper, talebearer. Sure. The devil's got a whole list of names put on you. And, and if the devil can get your brain to say, yes, I am. I'm pre- just for the record, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Amen. It's either past your bedtime or I'm getting to you. And I hope I'm getting to you. So, we may have been Mephibosheths, and you may have come out of your own loaded bar. But according to the Bible, Mephibosheth never, ever, never, ever went back to loaded bar. He always set up the king's table. He had all that stuff that was his grandpa's. And though he, listen, we don't have a sign that his feet straightened out. Maybe they did, but we don't have a record of that. But we know this. Even if he stayed crippled, he didn't need a job. When the king says, you can have everything that was your grandpa's and everything that was your daddy's, and that was the king's family, you set for life, man. 
You kidding me? You got the finest dressed people carrying you to your chariot with the best horses in town to take you anywhere you want to go. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. No more loaded bars. Say it. No more. No more pits. You know, we don't live in the pits, in the ditches. No more. No more. Now, if you live in sin, you're not going to be able to accomplish what I just told you. You Seriously, you can't. If you're sleeping around, if you're on drugs and booze, you've got to get delivered from that. The church can help you. We don't judge you. But the church can help you get on that. But as long as you're willfully going back to the Lodabar, you know, you're canceling what the king said. How many times do you think the king is going to send Ziba to go fetch you, honey, and say, go get him again, go get him again, bring him back again? And uh, there's a word in here I want you to study on. Maybe pastors preached on it some. It's called restore. The, the, the Bible was clear. God was clear when he said, I'm going to restore unto you everything that was your grandpa's. God wants to restore to you and me everything that's been stolen from us, everything that we've ruined, broke, disastered. You know, God wants, that. God wants the good things of life to be restored back into our life. I believe this with all of my heart because I'm a living, walking, former Mephibosheth. And I know what it's like when you start calling yourself what God calls you, then you stop exempting yourself from the blessing. Are you listening to me? Father, I thank you. Thank you that these true accounts, we call them stories, but they're true accounts. Thank you they were preserved for us in these days. I pray anybody hearing my voice, even those that get this recording later, may this cut to their heart. May they get a grip on their low esteem. May they let their failures go. May they let their failures go. May they look in the mirror and stop calling themselves names. May they find their way out of sin and bondage. So it's not always rooting out all their increase. I pray that over every one of us. Those that come out of gangs or they came out of sin, maybe they were raised a heathen like I was, a pagan, uh, a sinner is what I mean to say. Maybe they were raised just like me, serving the devil, serving myself. Maybe like me they did some really bad stuff before Christ. But we don't live there anymore. Lodabar stinks. It smells. It gets in your clothes. Sin stinks. It smells. It gets in your clothes. It gets in your head. But once we come out of Lodabar, no more sewage for us. Say it. No more sewage for us. Say it. No more sewage for us. Let us call ourselves names, but only the names you call us. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Raise a hand to me now, Lord. I call everybody in here blessed. We all need something from you, Jesus. We all need to be healed or delivered. We need a breakthrough. 
something in our marriage, something in our money, our kids. I ask you to anoint every one of us. Bless us tonight. Bless us and help us. In the name of Jesus, everybody say amen. Say a good amen. Clap then. Come on, Bernie. Are you closing? Come on, man.